Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. In this episode, Josh Jacobs, Director of Environmental Codes and Standards for UL Environment and Sustainability, discusses saving the planet through specifications, finding the hidden carbon. Uh, my name is Maura McShane. I'm with Humanize. We're actually sponsoring uh, this event today. Um, I'm with Josh uh, Jacobs, who is the Director of Environmental Codes and Standards for UL Environment and Sustainability. And today he's discussing saving the planet through specifications, finding the hidden carbon. And just to give you a little background to set the stage today, Josh is responsible for standard and outside code participation and authority having jurisdiction engagement for UL Environment. Uh, In this role, he helps develop and track the uh, environmental and public health programs, codes, purchasing programs uh, that are being utilized and developed throughout the world. Woo! I always find those interesting. I actually asked her when I first met, I said, okay, well, what does that say? Because marketing does those things for you. So you're just like, I have no idea what I am. Just tell me what I'm doing. Um, So thank you for waking up early. I'm supposed to point out the emergency exits are back that way. Don't run over me. Go around case. Uh, don't wait for me to you know, do this. Just get out if there's a fire. Um, so again, more talked about it, the creating buildings that support wellness and sustainability, framing, storming tool and tactics. Um, evaluate the session, please. I guess that's important. More than welcome to. Lots of good stars. If you don't like me, lots of low stars, I guess. Um, it won't hurt my opinion of myself, uh, I promise. So um, safety, the concept of safety and wellness is evolving right? So UL is a 126-year-old organization, right? Uh, We originally evolved out of the concept of acute safety, right? What acute safety meant, which means plugging something into a wall at the time, right? We don't want to get shot. That's an acute problem. Uh, A wall burning down before you can get out of those emergency exits. That's an acute safety problem. Um, the problem is safety is evolving as we understand more, as we create more problems in the world, right? Some of the chronic safety problems we have, morning, some of the safety problems we have is we have too much carbon in the atmosphere, right? I'm specifically going to talk about that today. Other chronic safety problems that we've developed is chemical exposure from man-made products into our indoor indoor environments, right? So um, as it evolves, we need safety to evolve because safety is situational depending on what's going on at the moment. So I'm in the wellness booth and this is where people go, wait a minute, carbon, wellness, I'm not, you're, you're really crossing me up here. This study that came out in April of this year uh, from a number of distinguished uh, carbon researchers on the planet, uh, including the gentleman down at Scripps, um, proved 197,000 Americans per year could avoid death if we defossilized our, our networks. Not bad, right? 197,000, I'd sign up for it, right? So it's directly tied. The issue also is we've talked about operational carbon for years and you folks as commercial buildings have been talking about LEED, have been talking about ASHRAE, your HVAC systems, all these sorts of things. And that's awesome, right? But we've completely forgotten about what the building's made of. That's all carbon too, right? You're never going to get a net zero carbon building if you don't think about the embodied or embedded carbon that is inside the products that make up your building. 
you can literally go to a zero operational. You can PV the crap out of the roof. You can put windmills everywhere. You can do all that. You're not a zero carbon building, no. right? Because it took carbon to build the products that are in your building. <clears throat> this proves it right here. Building operations, 28% as of last year, or two years ago, excuse me. Industry is 30%, which actually industry feeds a little into what I'm talking about, the actual embodied carbon. If we're going to solve the carbon problem, which it's a problem, I don't care what, you know, you can argue whether we're doing it or not, but it's a problem, right? We can all agree glaciers are gone, lots more hurricanes, lots higher, all that sort of thing. We need to address the building materials and the construction concepts we've got going on. Anyone in the audience heard of EPDs besides you? Okay, couple, that's good, and a half. Um, environmental product declaration, okay? It's literally exactly what it says it is. It is the true environmental impact that a product has, this chair has, this flooring has, that structure strut here has on the environment, right? It literally tells us what the global warming potential is when we produce this product. Sounds pretty cool, right? It is. Thing is, it's only been in use for about 15 years. It actually started in the auto industry and electronics industry. It's now moved into building construction. In fact, there's lead credits out there. Everyone know what I'm talking about when I say lead? Everyone wants their leads points, right? Yeah. I say that jokingly, sorry. Um, EPDs are based on something called LCA. Who, besides back there, who can tell me what an LCA is? Life cycle analysis or assessment, either or. Very good. If I had something to give out, I'd give it to you. <clears throat> you in the morning press. Uh, life cycle assessment. These are incredibly data intensive processes that can take years, plural. A really good one can probably take at least a year where you literally try to understand the entire concept of how this product was made. Where did we get the steel for this product? Where did we get the fabric? Like what, what? true embodied impacts are in this. The problem is they're five or 600 pages. They're the secret sauce of how a manufacturer does their business. So these don't see the light of day, except inside a company. And that's good because us in the sustainable industry, we stole this tool from them. And what I mean is it's a business tool at its heart because it helps manufacturers make better decisions about where to source things from, which factories are working better, how much, why is this factory using so much more energy and it was built the same way, right? All these sorts of concepts. It's a really cool business tool. But sustainability, we're like, ooh, embedded impacts. We're going to steal that, right? And it literally talks from material to end of life. So in our parlance, in our fancy words in sustainability, cradle to cradle. There's a couple gates in there where we send things to the manufacturer, then we make it, and then we have a gate. Oh. Then we have a gate over to the end of life. Hopefully, someday we're going to get to the point where there is no grave, right? We literally just go back around till we take our things and remake them into the same thing again. Well, how do you get from LCAs? Because those aren't getting handed out. Frankly, if you read them, you'd be asleep by page three, I promise, because um, I've read some in there. How do we get from LCAs to EPDs? We create things that are called PCRs. And yes, there will be a test at the end. Lots of acronyms and sustainability. That's what we do. Product category rules. These are standards that tell an industry and the public what we need. 
when we go from LCA to an EPD. Shockingly enough, recycled content doesn't mean the same thing to everybody. Most people are like, I threw my aluminum can in the bucket and it became recycled content. But when you get together, it's not the same. So if you ask 10 manufacturers, what does recycled content mean in your world? You might get eight answers. So we need these product category rules to be developed to set the standard for when you get an EPD to make a decision on a product, you know what's being talked about. Does that make sense? Same thing with like the lead rating system. When you see a lead plaque, you do a rating system and say, oh, this is what that means, right? Same concept. How am I doing on time? Awesome. Six minutes left. Okay, awesome. This is an EPD, seven impact areas, okay? Literally dives right in. I'm gonna pull it up so you can see it a little bit better. Global warming potential, ozone depletion, uh, abiotic uh, uh, photochemical ozone creation. You've got acidification, you've got eutrophication, and then depletion of abiotic resources, both just taking things from the ground and also fossil fuel impact. And then we literally just give the data. Here's the seven areas that are impacted. This is what comes on an EPD. Here in the state of California, decisions are being based on global warming potential inside EPDs today. Anyone know that? Somewhat shocking. They actually passed three laws because the first one wasn't written correctly. I know, that's shocking. Government not writing a law correctly. But it wasn't written correctly. Basically, see those four materials up there? Carbon steel, rebar, structural steel, flat glass, and mineral wallboard insulation. Don't ask me why it's mineral wallboard insulation and not just insulation. No one knows. Um, Those four products, when purchased by the state of California, not purchased in, so it doesn't mean your commercial buildings are all of a sudden going to need this, but purchased by taxpayer dollars, they're going to have a global warming potential limit as of January 1st, 2021. And California will only purchase products that are below that global warming potential for those four products. This is huge. This is embodied carbon decisions being made with tax dollars if you're a Californian, your tax This is awesome. I know there are arguments about big government and this and that. This is how industries change though, because now if you have commercial buildings here in California, just figure out what the heck their GWP limit, look at EPDs, buy the ones that are below it because they've made a decision. It's taking them three years to develop these GWPs. They're not just randomly picking numbers like sometimes we do in sustainability. 10 and 20% recycled content and lead. We literally just grabbed those numbers out of the air because they were nice and round. Um, for some products, they're a joke. For others, they're really tough. But this GWP, the state of California through the Department of General Services is taking three years along with a lot of experts Full disclosure, we're one of them, helping them set this GWP limit. Really, really good thing. Embodied carbon, choosing products based on it. The other interesting thing is, we now have what are called optimized EPDs. I know you just learned about EPDs right now, some of you. And, and you're like, okay, I'm just getting up to speed, Josh, PCR, LCA, EPD. I literally just wanted coffee and a seat, man. Just calm down. Right? I get it. But now they have optimized EPDs where you can actually tell the reduction that manufacturers have made from their previous product. So literally the impacts, this product made a 39% 39 reduction in their global warming potential in a three-year process. So they literally went from here's all the carbon we had and here's what we were doing to the environment and we cut it by 40%. That's huge. 
who wouldn't want to support that, right? Now, to be frank, a lot of this reduction that we're seeing in these initial EPD, optimized EPDs, is coming due to the fact that our grid is getting optimized, right? We're moving away from coal, we're moving away from different things. But a lot of this is due to factory changes and decisions based on those LCAs that manufacturers have. Supporting these is supporting human health and wellness, going back to those 197,000 people that we can save just in America. Forget the world, just in America. Building rating systems have these concepts embedded. So if your building's doing LEED V4 or a LEED V4.1 building, they give you credits for doing this. Selecting 20 products from five different manufacturers. Selecting 10 products from three manufacturers that have optimized their, their EPDs. So if you're doing a LEED building, you can start to do this for your buildings. There's also the living building challenge. I'm guessing no one in this room has a living building challenge building, right? Didn't think so. I got much bigger rooms where I don't get a living building challenge is an incredibly difficult tool. It's incredibly aspirational and it's awesome for the industry to have. It's just really, really tough, but it has embodied carbon concepts within it. It's trying to reduce those. Um, green codes also have EPDs in them. So, ASHRAE 189.1 IGCC, or the International Green Construction Code, um, which is adopted as base code in Washington, D.C., Montgomery County, Dallas, Texas. Anyone from Dallas? No? Not a bastion of sustainability, let me tell you. But they have a base green building code. I'm very proud when we worked on that with them. They've adopted the IGCC as part of their base building code, and it has EPD pathways in it. We're also working with the state of California on CalGreen right now to hopefully get EPDs listed in there based off the Buy Clean California Act. So I think I'm pretty close to done. Five minutes. Okay, I'm still doing good. Um, this is normally me. <laughs> this is my, I have more hair than that guy, thankfully, a little bit, I guess. Um, I don't do anything with it, my wife tells me, but whatever. Um, I don't have as many wrinkles. It's really confusing in sustainability. I've thrown a ton of acronyms out there at you. But I'm going to give you a free resource. Honest to God, normally when I do a presentation on just this thing, I give you seven times I say. It's 100% free. UL.com slash spot. Not free this week, not free the day, not free the month. It's just free. Go find products. There are over a 1, uh, 1,100 environmental product declarations on there. You can find the optimized EPDs on there. You can search by lead credit. So hopefully, even though I've confused the heck out of you at some really early hour after everyone was out drinking last night, I've learned Cornet. A lot of drinking. Big fan. Um, it's give you the free resource so you can understand where you're going to find stuff. That's it. Really quick. Hopefully, we've tied it together. Any questions? No? Oh, come on. I wasn't that good. Come on. Any questions? Even how to spell lead, I'm fine with that. No? Okay. Okay, the question was, and I, sorry, I have to repeat it because of the recording thing. The question was, um, the question was, um, in lead and environmental product declarations, is it only new construction or is it new construction in CI? It is for both, new construction and CI. The only part it's not, well, there are credits in operation and maintenance that actually give you credit if your, um, if your replacement plan for products 
have EPDs in it. So you sort of get even in O and M. It's not a main tenant like it is in PDNC and IDNC, but it is there as well. So it's a cross program. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Yep. So the question was, going away from lead and going to well. Believe it or not, there's a lot of buildings that are doing both. I do agree, though, that well is kind of a new conversation piece. Uh, human health and wellness, incredibly important. It does not deal with this. It does not deal with the embodied carbon concepts. It's literally about, you know, the health and well-being of the occupants of the building and how it's done. There's also a program called FitWell uh, that the CDC and the, the U.S. General Service Administration created. They do not have EPDs in it because it's literally about human. In fact, well, um, the joke normally with well, unfortunately, is they, they literally talk about how big your bowls can be and what food you can have and what snacks you have to have healthy foods and stuff like that. So it's a little more touchy-feely traditionally is what it would be. Yes, sir. Right. Yep. Right. So... Randy, good question. So the question was embodied versus sequestered. The thing is, EPD does both, right? So if you go back, oh, crud. Um, what am I? Sorry, I don't know what button I pushed that all of a sudden made that happen. Um, it actually does both. That's a great thing. So it talks about global warming. Sorry, I've got to stay above this. It talks about global warming potential, right? So embodied carbon concepts, but see that the second to last one on the right, depletion of abiotic resources, that's also the carbon, the elements that are within it. So the elements being taken out of the ground. Is that carbon? Yes, because everything's made of carbon, right? At its fundamental level, we're all made of carbon. So we're sequestering carbon until, you know, unfortunate. Um, but it talks about both. But there is a discussion around that, like, okay, what should we use, right? Old growth forests, like hold this much embodied carbon. There's actually reports that say if you do correct forestry, which I have no say in the forestry world, so don't, no one come at me. Um, there's papers and studies that show if you do correct good forestry services, that new growth forests actually suck in more carbon as they grow, and the old growth is just giving us more oxygen. So there's conversations around that as well, not that sequestered carbon. But now you've gone real technical. Now we've gone like LCA levels. Anything else? Awesome. Well, thank you, and thank you guys. Thank you for tuning in to What's Next. Have an idea or point of view? Want to record a podcast of your own? Visit cornetglobal.org slash podcast.